You're now listening to the sound of insanity 2021 style. Oh, brother. No, well, I mean, you probably are you listening. Big brother. Oh, big brother. <laughs> yeah. You said it, Ben. Well, I did. Those were the words that you said. Hey, folks, you're not listening to the sound of insanity. That's, I mean, you probably are in general listening to the sound of insanity because there's plenty of it. But right now, actually, still currently platformed on the device that you're using to listen to it and the platform that you are using on said device. You're listening to Sound of Sanity, the Sound of Sanity, your favorite podcast. I'm your favorite host, Nathan Aaron Alberson, coming to you via the power of another platform, Zoom, because I do not yet live in the town of Evansville, although we hope by the very next time you hear us, that problem will be alleviated. So I'm Nathan, your humble and obedient host. We've got Jacob Menzel, the pastor, who's a master of everything, really, right there. How are you doing, Jake? Pretty good. How about you? Ah, you know, not that good, but... (laughs) (laughs) At least we're being honest. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing all right personally, I guess. Uh, how you do? Or, uh, no, I should introduce Jake. I don't think I've ever had you do someone else's introduction. Do you want to introduce? No, I'm always person? just the other guy. You're the other guy. So well, like, today, hey, today, I'm here with Ben. Ben, introduce the other guy. Yeah, today you can you can deplatform or platform the third person as you see fit. Uh, the third person would be Ben. What's up, Ben? Hey, Jake. Not much. Except our nation is destroying itself like a black hole, something like that. It's the black hole. But otherwise, I don't know. A black hole. I don't. I don't understand physics, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Can't answer your question. (laughs) Maybe don't use physics metaphors, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really follow, does it, Jake? Yeah, it's like a like a black hole of metaphorical explanation right there. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's a little better, I think. Like a. That's a little better. It's like a pincer maneuver, or, or what did they talk about in that <laughs> silly uh, movie where oh, you know, uh, David Tenet? Washington goes backwards? It's like a oh. John David Washington, <sighs> who looks like will not be, he will not be the new Black Panther because there will be no new Black Panther in Black Panther Two, which will just be about the Black Panther women. The, did you not the, read this? The Black Panther. Right? I saw that. Well, guys, it's exciting. Okay, well, there's some unedited Zoom awkwardness for you folks, where we talked over each other and then it all died at the same time. Or maybe it'll be edited, in which case you won't know what I'm talking about. Well, actually, you just won't hear me trying to cover for it. But because I'll edit this out too. Or maybe I didn't edit this out. Maybe you're hearing this. I don't know. We'll see. Listen, folks. Can it get more awkward? I don't know. Yes, it can. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think I'm leaving it now. Anytime I'm doing some elongated, terrible bit and I can throw the bait out there and kind of dangle it and get Jake to take it and jump in and become part of the elongated bit, then I feel like that bit has to stay. It doesn't have to stay unless you actually say the words, I like to put a hat on a hat. And then it has to, then it stays. Well, you Jake, said that you know, when I see a hat, what I think to myself is there's something missing from this hat. What does this hat need? This hat needs something. And then the answer is right <laughs> in front of me because I'm looking at a hat and I think that's what this hat needs. It needs a hat. And so I put a hat on a hat and then I say the phrase, 
the hat, putting a hat on the hat. Although, wasn't it really, when you think about it, Jake that was putting the hat on this particular hat hat? Wow. Um, We're like at bizarre levels of hatception right now. So, yeah, we can tell what's going on. <laughs> somebody, somebody spin the top hat. <laughs> nice. Okay, guys, we've wasted enough time, and I'm sorry that Ben put us through all that. Let's talk mm. about the state of the world. And uh, we're, obviously, we're doing a casual Zoom episode. I, we, we'll have more to say about everything that's going on in the upcoming weeks, I imagine. But we just wanted to give some quick thoughts about everything with the Capitol riots and, uh, you know, Big Brother deplatforming us all and all that good stuff. So I don't know. What do you guys think about those Capitol Hill riots? Pretty, pretty, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right PC way to put it. Just give me a second. Okay. Yep. The week started with uh, Representative Emmanuel Cleaver saying, dare I ask, O Lord, peace even in this chamber now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. Amen and a woman. And uh, <laughs> Jake, that doesn't have anything to do with what happened. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that in the middle of the week, we had a, a shirtless shaman and a Viking hat standing in the chambers of Congress. Viking body paint. <laughs> well, uh, open that up because that. I think I think this is a fantastic hot take that you have on all of this, actually. So what 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 are you actually saying with that? Uh, I, people have since, since my hot take in our conversation, have since captured the same thing in memes, which is, you know, on Monday, somebody stood in the halls of Congress and asked for peace in these chambers evermore and mocked the living God and called on the demons. Mm-hmm. And on Wednesday, mm-hmm. they came, the demons came and God mocked us all. Mm-hmm. And there was no peace in the chamber evermore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, to be able to step outside and just see, hey, you know, the the poet, the the, the poetic justice of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, God is not mocked. Um, to me, actually, it gives me a lot of of faith. Whatever you want to say about what happened, and whatever we know and whatever we don't know about what actually transpired at the Capitol, the fact is, God was absolutely in control over all of it, and uh, scoffing at the sons of men who are yeah. raging against. Even though we're in the midst of God's discipline of our nation and the empire is falling, um, whatever that means, however fast it happens, whatever. This isn't God's first rodeo. He's been here and done this, and he orchestrates it all. And uh, the king of heaven laughs. The nations will bow their knees or they will be crushed um, Mm -hmm. with a rod of iron if they don't kiss the sun. And so Mm. it's encouraging in its own terrible horrible way so i don't know yeah that was that was my hot take as far as that much of the week goes and but there's everything that's happened since then so there is everything and we'll talk a little bit about that too yeah but i don't know i think i'm always embarrassed to see these kinds of spiritual realities and things to even talk about angels or demons or any of that something about my reformed heritage or i don't know what you want to blame it on my my heritage (laughs) actually i come from pentecostalism is, is what like I grew up with as a young child and then came to a reformed church. So I think maybe starting with the one extreme and then going to the other extreme, yeah. like 
it would never occur to me to think, oh, they're invoking demons and they're getting them. But that's exactly what happened. I mean, the, the riots of that scale, I think you have to say, are that that kind of, uh, what do you want to call it? That kind of nihilism writ large among, fren- you know, frenzied nihilism made flesh. There's something demonic about that. And, and when you have a guy literally wearing the emblems of, of pagans, <laughs> you know, he is like- A guy who calls himself a shaman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, calls himself a shaman, yeah. Who, and other, other heathens were protesting that he didn't represent their heathenism. Yeah. And they were true pagans and he was not. And they were like LGBTQTXYZ friendly, mm-hmm. but- you yeah, know, it breaks my heart. What was that lady's? Uh, oh, what did you? Break, yeah. It breaks it breaks my heart that my my views are so poorly represented, says heathen priestess. Mm-hmm. It was like a headline. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it the Babylon B or <laughs> yeah, wasn't the kidding. Babylon B? Oh, it's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. Like mm-hmm. it, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It is, and, and it is so insane. Everybody's around, uh, you know, not everybody, but a bunch of people are like, see, Christian nationalism is the threat here. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, well, there was a documentary that came out a year or two ago. I forget what it was called, but it was about the Church of Satan. It was about Satanism. And it was about, uh, it was a documentary that was made to humanize uh, Satanists and, and the thing that, made us love the Satanists as we watched the documentary, I forget what it was called, was that they all didn't like Trump and they were all embracing these feminist causes. And actually they were, they were really great. Of course they were. Who, who just used Satan as the emblem of their wokeness. Yep. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, and here, here you go, folks. I never do this. Oh, I probably do do this. And every time I do it, I say, and I never do it, but I'll invoke C.S. Lewis. It's, it's a little bit like, uh, what is the book where the guy is like, like where they're all praying to Tash. And then the guy's like, what? Tash showed up and he's carrying yeah. me away. Last battle. Yeah. Last battle. Last battle. I, I, have, the yeah. Same thought. Yeah. I have the same thought. You've been calling on mm. the demons. Right. You, yeah. You've been worshiping Tash right. and, and then you're like surprised when Tash shows up and devours has, you, has his way with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's making me think of Frank Peretti. I yeah. have to say, I'm sure some of our listeners grew up reading Frank Peretti, and I sure did. You know, reading about epic battles of angels and demons, sword mm-hmm. fights in the sky. I read and might have reread those books uh, as a kid. Well, look for, but fifty years we have institutionalized the murder of our children. Mm-hmm. That's that is the worship of Moloch that ancient pagan God, like, yeah. And that's not all, yeah, but it's, uh, th- that's not all of our demon worship. That's just, you know, the most yeah. egregious thing that I, I can think of off the top of my head, but like, well, this, but this it, what's what interesting, for the last... I was going to say that it's been, uh, without the paraphernalia, right? Mm-hmm. No Viking horns right. associated with the murder of our children. And it's like, if you're going to invoke the demons, you're going to bring back the paraphernalia and uh, the rituals with it well, and what more overt manifestations, right? What we've done up until the last couple of years has been uh, worship the demons while invoking the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, 
And so now God's giving us over to exactly the worship that we've, we, the gods that we've chosen mm-hmm. for ourselves. And uh, it's like, it's like naming the golden calf mm-hmm. Yahweh. Yeah. And that, that's what we've done. And so now we're being given over to, to the gods that we've been worshiping. And so, yeah, shamans are showing up in our nation's capital uh, with bare chested and body paint or tattoos or whatever's going on with him and, you know, his horns and everything else. And, and we've given up the pretense of calling on the name of God and are calling on the name of Brahma, the six armed, four faced demon God of the Hindus. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. Yeah, no, and I think I think Ben's absolutely right. As these things escalate, we will see a return to the paraphernalia and the accoutrement and all that. Um, I mean, it's always been on the margins, right? I remember watching yeah. a, a really dark but fantastic documentary called Lake of Fire about abortion and the people that are really the virulent activists that are on the fringes or that were on the fringes. I remember there, there's there's this one woman who's a performance artist and she covers herself in blood. She's pro-abortion, right? And she covers herself yeah. in blood and she has a, she's in a, like a bikini kind of thing. And she takes a coat hanger and she scratches uh, certain parts of herself. And it's really overtly evil. I mean, she's just evoking pure evil and that sort of thing used to belong in the rundown, you know, art theaters of, a major metropolis, you know, on some out of the way corner. That's where those things kind of had to hide in the dark. But as we give ourselves more to the worship of these things, we're going to see more of that stuff on a public stage. Um, yeah. And, and with that, the, uh, the overt persecution of everyone who calls uh, for repentance and worship of and submission to King Jesus um, somebody I have been paying attention to the last couple of weeks or months, I can't remember who it is, is fond of saying over and over and over, the spectacle at the Coliseum only gets bigger. Once you've opened up the door, once you've opened up Pandora's box, once the Coliseum is a thing, the spectacle only has to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. It only snowballs. Mm. Yeah. And so once you've opened up, those doors, you just, you know, that when, and once it starts to become acceptable, once there's a class of people that it's okay um, to cathartically let out your aggression, your frustration, your bloodlust, everything pent up inside of you because you're a victim that just only escalates over time. Yeah. But I think it's like anything else with a human being, we, we always become more what we worship um oh yeah for lack of a le- less cliched way of saying that you know it's we we become what we worship we become what we worship and you you see this i remember i've been house hunting in evansville recently and we saw a house was shown to us by an old homosexual gentleman in the last stages it looks like he was dying you know in the stages of his degradation mm. and he was very sickly angry and dare i say spiritually disturbed you know he looked like someone who had given himself to a lifetime of nastiness. He didn't look like that 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. 
I'd wager, but he came, became more and more like that. We all know people who have given themselves to sins and have become more like that. I think culturally, it's exactly the same thing. Slowly, yeah. or maybe not so slowly, the signifier comes to match the signified, is what we would say in <laughs> semiotics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sign matches the reality. So you will see things that'll be more overt. I, I think the other thing I've been thinking about all of this maybe sort of my little hot take on the whole thing. I'm trying to think what the best way to say this is. So Psalm 20, you know, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the living God. Is that what it says? Yep. When you're in, in a chariot, it's really hard. Even if you think it's a stupid, rickety, bad chariot, even if you know there's things wrong with the chariot, even if you are afraid that the wheels are going to fall off the chariot, when you're in a chariot and it's running, it's really hard not to put a little bit of trust in that chariot. And I think I was never like a big MAGA guy or anything like that. But there was part of me that was like, oh, well, we're winning right now when Trump was at Mm -hmm. his height. And isn't that great? And can't I put just a little bit of trust? And I I, I never would have in a million years articulated it that way. But I think the temptation to despair that I feel now that the wheels have come off of the chariot completely and it's overturned in the ditch underlines to me the fact that I did put a little trust in that chariot. I was happy that my particular power was winning politically for a little while. And it always felt like Trump was the underdog and he wasn't quite winning, but like we were scoring some real points with the Supreme Court with this, with that, with just having somebody publicly say those things. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong to be happy about those things, but I just think I've seen into my own heart as all this has happened and realized how much I do still, though I tell myself not to, though I tell myself I'm not, trust in political institutions to save me. And so I'm sort of glad for the opportunity to have, you know, I'm not glad that things went poorly. I'm not saying like, you know, I don't like those Christians who are like, isn't it great that the battle lines are drawn and no no more hypocrisy? And but no, 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 no. But I am glad that. I, yeah, it is, it is incredibly foolish, but there is an aspect to that sort of thing just insofar as, well, I guess I'm just saying I've been able to see, you know, like my hope isn't always in in God as much as it should be. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad for this opportunity of repentance. Yeah. Well, it's not different in some ways. Yeah. I know you're not moved down here yet, but okay. We just left a really strong church. Mm-hmm. with really strong elders and other pastors and leaders and a congregation that's sweet and that loves the Lord and has been well-discipled in its 25, 30 year history or however long it's been. Mm-hmm. And so you're in a place of relative, even though you're in a more hostile environment in Bloomington um, mm-hmm. than most anybody in the Midwest probably imagines that Bloomington really is. Um you're still in this, in the, you're in this fortress, you're in this place of strength and stability. And I'm only presenting the microcosm because that's what you want. You want the mm-hmm. church to be all of those things. You wouldn't want the church to not be those things. Of course. People. That is God's provision for you. Um, but you leave and you come down to a new place and suddenly you feel naked and mm-hmm. small and alone. And it was always true, but you find all, you still find yourself having to trust God differently and more wholly and completely. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you find the places where you took God's gifts to you for granted. And you didn't, you, you, you knew what you were trying to take granted. You, you knew that you'd come and you'd say and all, all that stuff, but it doesn't change the reality. Like that strength isn't there anymore to draw on and to lean on. It's just not there. And so here you are. And it is what you knew it would be. And it's still hard. And so to have a Republican Congress and, and Donald Trump as president meant a slower slide mm-hmm. and maybe some protections going in place. Which felt good. Which felt Damn. good. Yeah. And it was something to want and something to pray for and something to be grateful to God for that the Supreme Court justices that did were and approved were who they were instead of somebody that Hillary Clinton would have nominated and pushed mm-hmm. through. Right. So you have all that stuff and, you know, but okay, now it's gone. And now we've got a dem- a democratic controlled Congress and uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the driver's seat of the executive office, our tech overlords who have the power to censor the president of the United States, really bringing down the hammer on everybody we're mm-hmm. threatening to. So as of this re- recording, Trump's been banned on absolutely every social media platform, including Pinterest. (laughs) Um, uh, Shopify has stopped funds going to Trump. Stripe has stopped funds going to Trump's campaign. So they're locking him down financially the way that Discover locked out uh, Kyle Rittenhouse a couple months back. Alternative social media platforms are being still being deplatformed. Apple and Google aren't carrying their apps. Mm-hmm. or isn't carrying parlors app and Amazon mm-hmm. web service has uh, uh, rejected hosting services for parlor. So probably has got to figure things out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the call, the cry for us to be silenced and deplatformed, tens of thousands of people being kicked off Twitter or whatever. And you, and Ron Paul today kicked off of Facebook um, just before we got on this call. I mean, old man, Ron Paul. <laughs> yeah. A real threat. Yeah, kicked off kicked mm. off of Facebook. Mm. And so, I mean, I don't know. Like, mm. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't even know exactly where I'm going with this. It's just that suddenly, okay, like the the barriers and the protections of the last four years have been removed. Mm. And a lot of anger and zeal is being directed at at silencing yeah. all dissent mm-hmm. to the yeah. uh, official to the official narrative and the official party line. That's actually a pretty normal place for Christians to be in the Mm -hmm. world today Mm -hmm. and in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. And so here we are in a place where (laughs) actually it looks like possibly we're going to have a little bit more sympathy with all of the Bible and Mm -hmm. all of Mm. scripture and all of the Christians we've seen throughout uh, church history. There's a curse in that and God's discipline in that. And there's a sweetness and blessing, a silver lining in that too. So we have to have faith for it. And we have to think carefully about what it means for us moving forward as churches and mm-hmm. um, as fathers, as husbands, how to protect our kids and our wives and our families. And But it's a time to to keep pressing forward because we were talking about this summit Bible study last night, uh, the the progress of the gospel and the kingdom of God always looks small and pathetic and stupid and, and fits and starts and under much oppression. And yet 2000 years after Jesus stood on a mountain with 12 people 
and said, go into all the world. Here we are in the middle of cornfields on the other side of the world in a, at the time undiscovered continent, worshiping Jesus and mm-hmm. um, still celebrating publicly the birth of Jesus in our store on the radio. Well, here's yeah. how we don't help that happen. Oh no, our chariot's broken. So now number one priority is to get the chariot back up and running and get some wheels on that chariot. And we're so mad about our chariot and we're so angry about our chariot. And now we just need to find, build, beg, or borrow or steal another chariot. No, how it happened. I'm not saying we don't take proactive steps to protect ourselves and to move forward in a smart way. Chariots are valuable assets in warfare. Yeah. And, you know, lots of great kings like King David had lots of chariots, no problems with chariots, no problems with horses. But let's respond with humility to God's discipline. Let's not respond with petulance. Let's not respond with pride. Let's see where God is disciplining our pride, where God is disciplining our complacency. We ought to have much more the attitude of of David leaving Jerusalem Absalom. Yeah. And, and much less the attitude of uh, David walking out to face Goliath Yeah, at this point. Hmm. Um, the Christian church in America is not David walking out to face Goliath. That's what our missionaries, uncharted territories are. We're an apostate church that is being disciplined by God for its sexual sin and murderous rebellion. We would do very well to to adopt much more David's posture of accepting God's discipline, not going into not uh, circling David the wagon. David retook the kingdom. I mean, in that story, yeah. like Absalom yeah. dies, David gets the kingdom back. He makes all the, the smart, strategic moves. Yeah, mm-hmm. the goals to the goals to take back. Yeah. I mean, the goal is always to advance take the back the territory. Yes, yeah. to take back the territory. We have to be wise and strategic and smart in how we do that. And the opposition has been wise and strategic and smart for 150 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to our cultural Marxism episode and listen to the things that they were saying 150 years ago, this is a slow bake plan that has been That's in right. place for 150 years. And they were smart and they were strategic. They understood the power of institutions. They, st- I mean, for goodness sake, it's like they the playbook of the early Western missionaries and monks who went and established schools and orphanages and mm-hmm. hospitals and, and farming communities and became these center cultural hubs that reformed entire civilizations. It's like, they took that playbook, our playbook. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. said, Hey, that's a good playbook. Let's run it and burn it all. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, part of our repentance has to be relearning our own playbook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. However, that happens, right. even even while we're on the retreat, in certain ways or whatever. I don't, I don't know what that means. I just know it's true. I think there's that. Well, I, th- I mean, oh, go ahead. well, I was just going to talk about what it means to relearn the playbook. But what were you, what were you going to say? Well, let me let me say this first. I think that there's people yeah. out there because we'll talk about the playbook, but I and, and I think we'll spend many episodes moving forward talking about relearning the playbook. That's kind of what this show is in some ways. But yep. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are talking about 
that, and that's good. I mean, that's primarily what we're going to spend our time talking about too. So I don't want to, but the posture with which you talk about it really matters. The the posture matters. And I think a lot of repentance doesn't start with the playbook. A lot of repentance starts with repentance. And I think that there's, yeah, there's people out there (laughs) listening that are like, well, I I never was apostate. I was never sexually immoral. You know, like I I had my act together and, you know, you can't lump me in with this culture that's going to hell in a ham book. And it's like, yes, I can. Did you look at pornography? Did you watch the movies? Did you speak up when you should have? We are all complicit and you need to take personal responsibility for the places where you were complicit first. if, If you honestly... I guess, never looked at pornography, if you never enjoyed the decadence of our culture, if you never, even then I'd say, God judges us corporately and you're responsible, exactly. but, but maybe I'll give you a pass if you can honestly tell me that you held well, yourselves above all those things. But I don't think you did. Nobody did. I certainly didn't. You guys didn't, you know, I mean, we're all, yep. we are, we have all loved the degradation of our culture in different ways for each of us. And, you know, we've all been happy for them. And accepted, and accepted the cost. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We've accepted the cost. The spiritual know? weakness, you mean, that came with enjoying? And not just the impotence. I mean, the blood sacrifice. Well, I think we all had the attitude yeah. of, uh, what, it, what is it, King Hezekiah? You know, oh, good. there will be time. peace and prosperity in our day, in my day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it looks like maybe there won't, and we're like, uh oh, <laughs> crap. I was hoping that my children would inherit this pain. Problem. Yeah, I know it's exactly what conservatives like to talk about with you know the deficit and all that sort of thing. It's like I can enjoy internet pornography, and maybe my grandchildren will have to pay for the sexual that sexual degradation coming home to roost in a demonic evil life devouring, soul devouring way, but hopefully I won't have to, Yep. you know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing. I'll just skate into heaven on flowery beds of ease. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does make you, I don't know, like one of the, sil- the silver linings that Jake is talking about. One of them is definitely that it makes you remember, oh yeah, we do have to fight. We are like warriors and stuff. There is a kingdom. We're part of the kingdom. We have to keep or reclaim territory. If we sit on our butts then we're going to lose and we're going to, we're going to suffer for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a resentment that I think uh, a lot of us maybe tend to have about that because we're, uh, we've, we've not been equipped. Yeah, yeah. We're inert and we have been rendered inert and impotent by the absence of our and failures of our fathers, a culture that has sapped us of all of our raw vitality with our guilty consciences, with porn, with video games, right. with our, our media, with the with the decadence of our lives, and so even that we resent we resent the fact that we might actually have to wake up and take some responsibility and yeah and figure out what it means to fight. Like we didn't ask for this, we didn't ask for this fight. Like <laughs> yeah, and it's I, not I, our fault know. that we were born into this culture and our fathers failed us. Well, but then again. We I was, ca- I was we we liked it that way. We were basically we castrated it from way. birth, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there is truth to that. I mean, we we were dealt in some ways a bad hand. Many of us yep. didn't have fathers that taught us thing one about how to deal with these kinds of things. Fine, whatever. We're here now. But it's we also have responsibility. Our God. hearts also were like, 
okay, on some level, our hearts are whatever. The Christian counselor, David Pallison, he always says, you have an active heart. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a conscious understanding of everything. To have but, a heart that's like actively, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, even that, it doesn't matter. It's like the talk about I was born this way as a homosexual, right? right. Like, whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't get to be a victim. Right. We yeah. all have our setbacks in life. We all start from different places. Are you going to mm-hmm. complain about where God started you? It doesn't yes. matter. Yes. It does not matter where God started you. <laughs> God started you where he did. And his call to you is to repent step by step, day by day, and to grow in godliness. Right. And guess what? If you are committed to that, he will equip you for it. And you may not get very far, but maybe you'll get for your kids to go farther. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of, I mean, that is the playbook, actually. It's, let's figure out how to man up, how to face the world around us, and how to prepare ourselves to suffer, and how to prepare our children to suffer, and to take responsibility for themselves. And, you know, there are things that we're going to have to do. There are things that we're going to have to step away from. Mm-hmm. So, the way we've been doing church, like, a lot of the the uh, just the effeminate nonsense that's passed for church over the last 50 years, it's not going to fly. We need a church that's, that's learning what it means to be the church militant, mm-hmm. you know, that's learning what it means to proclaim the kingship of Jesus over every square inch of this world. That is proclaiming a kingdom that is bigger than um, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, you know, um, but hard obedience in all the hard places. And that's willing to step in and help people figure out all of the things, mm-hmm. you know, okay. So you didn't have a, a daddy. Well, no excuses. You're going to be a daddy now. And so we're going to help you and we're going to help you figure the, this stuff out. We're going to help you get your finances in order. We're going to help you learn to be a productive member of society, to work with your hands, to provide for yourself and for others. We're going to teach you what hospitality looks like. And we're all going to have to figure it out together because, you know, None of us are really all there. Like we've been raised in this, in, in uh, uh, what's the civilization in a brave new world, Oceania, or no, that's, that's, uh, that's the other one. But, but what, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we've all been raised in, in this like bizarro, this <laughs> dystopia. In Babylon. Mm-hmm. And, and so now we've got to figure out and, we have to wake up and figure out what it means to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven as strangers yeah. in a strange land. And, uh, um, it'll be uphill and it's been uphill. And a lot of us have been seeing this and coming alive to this. And I think a, a lot of the reason that we have the listenership that we do is we've got people listening that have been seeing and feeling this way for a long time. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. and so hopefully our listeners aren't too freaked out because they see now rubber is going to really meet the road. It's not just pretend, mm-hmm. um, you know, things are going to potentially, they have the potential to get really hard. Um, the Equality Act is a real thing that President, future President Biden is preparing to push through both halls of Congress that will, you know, it'll go into legal battles and stuff like that. It'll get appealed to the Supreme Court. But if it gets through and the Supreme Court doesn't get packed and, um, you know, our, our, our Church of the Kings is going to be stripped of 503 501c3 status mm-hmm. because we're not abiding by the Equality Act. Um, we're going to be able to be charged with hate speech. And if they put in a domestic terror atta- uh, 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 bill uh, that includes 
saying homosexuality is a sin is hate speech and an act of domestic terror and incitement of violence or saying that abortion is murder is an incitement to violence and act of domestic terror. Guess what? We're all terrorists. We're all domestic terrorists now by that Mm. definition, which is what they managed to do is take control of the terms at every point. Mm -hmm. Um, What do they call that? The, the, the Overton window or whatever, the window of what is acceptable discourse in a society. They've narrowed that to include really small yeah a few liberal yeah. tenants now now we don't know i mean god is god and god is good and there may be any none of us i, I didn't dare to i didn't think donald was gonna win four years ago mm-hmm. when he won i did not think he would provide half the protection for christians that he provided mm-hmm. over the last four years so we don't know what's going to happen or what God's going to do or who God might raise up. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'd say two things about that. Well, one thing really read the book of Kings and read the book of Chronicles and see how fast God delivers the country when they call to him and then see how fast Mm. the country goes to crap when (laughs) they don't, when their hearts are hard. But what, what you begin to see is, you know, I mean, to me, because I'm a finite human being, 50 years, 100 years, it feels like a long time. But if you think about the fact, and we've said this on podcasts before, if you think about the fact that 50, 60 years ago, there were laws in every state in the union forbidding sodomy, you know, there were criminal penal- penalties for homosexual actions in every state of this union. And we have changed that fundamentally that quickly. Now, that's a really broad general statement I just made. You can nuance it all kinds of ways. But what I'm saying is culture changes, changes quickly. It's never static. It's never static. It's always changing. And those changes go a lot faster than we tend to give them credit for. Just look at the last 10 years. Just I, me and my wife watched a mean girls, the, the, the Lindsay Lohan oh, yeah. movie not too long ago. There's this girl who's claiming the whole time that she's not gay. Lindsay Lohan's BFF or whatever, like the, the not mean girl. And she's obviously gay coded and the joke, I guess everybody's probably seen mean girls is like, she's, everybody's always saying she's gay. It's one of the things that the mean girls are spreading around her. And then at the end, she like falls in love with the, the science nerd guy. And that is so heteronormative as to be completely unacceptable. That movie (laughs) goes to jail. (laughs) Those, those, those filmmakers, (laughs) the makers cancels. You know, which is what, 14 years ago, 2006, I think they go to jail today. (laughs) They don't really go to jail, but you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like that movie is unacceptable. Their careers are over. They're canceled. They're blacklisted. Yeah, You don't make that movie and get away with it today. And yeah, that is how quick things have, have turned like 10 years ago. What you, like, if you just go back and it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And so that's scary, but it's, it's also something to uh, take a little hope in because culture changes fast. And if we repent, if we lead people in repentance, it can change fast for the better. It does happen. And and you do see like God smites the people. He punishes them severely all over the place in the history of Israel in the Old Testament. And then when they repent and when they call, call on him, a good king comes along and things get better. So we can pray for that. We don't have to think that everything is irredeemably going to continue to get more terribly terrible until the end of time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Half of uh, Donald Trump had the second largest, if you believe there was zero f- voter fraud whatsoever, and all the numbers are accurate, mm-hmm. 100%, and we live in the one country in the whole world where voter fraud on any scale, large or small, concentrated here or there, is entirely impossible. Donald Trump had the second largest voter turnout in the history of the United States of America. That's a whole lot of people. That's a whole lot of people in a whole lot of communities that aren't on board with the new order. Hmm. And a lot can happen. And what may be attempted federally on a mass scale does not need to be enacted locally or enforced locally on a local scale. This is what you saw throughout all of the Roman Empire was the selective enforcement of a ton of red tape and codes that came out of Rome in various parts of the empire. And there were always rulers that were favorable, local rulers that were favorable to Christianity and many that weren't. And some of it, it was just a matter of pragmatics. Well, it's actually a self-creating thing about tyranny, about dictatorships. If anyone's ever worked for a bad boss, they know this. Bad bosses, dictatorships, you know, these kinds of things, they multiply so many rules that it's actually not possible. You actually have to, you must be selective about which rules you follow. And so mm-hmm. any given underboss has to be selective. They, they, it's yeah. not that they might be selective if they've got a conscience. No, they must be, they are, they must be selective. And so it's impractical. It's financially yeah. impractical from a manpower perspective. It's impractical from a jail prosecutor, prosecutorial standpoint, it's impractical. Mm-hmm. And so then you also have savvy people that may not have any care at all except power, but they are in a community where they recognize, actually, I can ingratiate myself to the people mm-hmm. by creating space mm-hmm. between Washington and Evansville. Yep. yep. And they'll love me. And I, I, can, I can make my excuses to my superiors and say, wring my hands and say, I'm trying over here. And then down here, I can be like, guys, I'm for you. You know, I'm, you know, I'm creating space between you and the man. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, and then you have the people like uh, Daniel's overseer who ended up looking good because he let Daniel and his friends eat the oh yeah food that right. glorified that honored God. You you have the people who see who who take a calculated risk and see oh actually when the Christians are allowed to do what they say they want to do, God blesses it. And so that accrues, you know, well to me, I end up looking good. Like when I have hardworking people that are working as unto the Lord for me, when I have like, this is actually good. If I let some things slip by unnoticed, because then like, you know what I'm saying? The only way that, um, I mean, and and again, this is something that they're trying and they're working on and they're trying to acclimate people to. The only way that they can get what they want is uh, full 1984 citizen patrols. Mm -hmm. You know, people reporting their neighbors and children reporting their parents and it becoming a whole thing where everybody lives in fear of everybody else. And you don't even know who is a good guy because you can't hit who's a good guy without risk of being turned over. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not, we're not there yet. 
and hopefully by God's grace, we won't be. But yeah, let's pray. Let's yeah. we got to be on our toes. And yeah. it has happened before. So we got to pray and we got to repent and we got to be on our toes and we got to have faith. And yeah, like we come back to often on, on these types of episodes, we got to control the things that we can control. Mm-hmm. What in the world is going on? But your computer, Jake, big brother decide they want to take a hand in this podcast. Maybe that was, that was funny. What was that? <laughs> so random. Um, so I've not touched my browser, but I had a, had a, I mean, this entire conversation, I haven't touched my browser, but I had a, uh, a site open hmm. on my browser and suddenly a pop-up ad just started playing in the background. Ugh. Pretty Maybe. creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. They're watching or they're here. Uh, <laughs> Can well, I just say, I, or go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was going to say that it is, um, it is a time to be God's witnesses and to think about, you know, the gospel. Well, okay, we were talking at Church of the King Bible study last night about the gospel of the kingdom and the idea, which is throughout the gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that when it talks about Jesus preaching or afterwards, when you see the apostles preach, they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which is just not the way we think about what the gospel primarily is. Primarily to us American Christians, the gospel is about being forgiven. It's about the atonement, which of course that's a massive part of the gospel, but that's not the way it's framed in Jesus's ministry. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Hey, there's a new king in town. Hey, the kingdom of the God. Kingdom of God it's here. Mm-hmm. It's here. Get ready. You want to be a part of this kingdom because this kingdom's going to last forever. And if you're not part of it, you're going to get crushed. Even if you look big and scary like the Roman Empire. And that's an encouragement to me as our country goes to pot. And and a galvanizing thing for me to think, this is actually really cool. I am part of a kingdom that's not going to die. It's going to last. It's just going to keep growing. Uh, I don't know what that, that's not American triumphalism at all. That's just me saying, even if the worst happens in America and in my personal life, as unlikely as it seems that the worst will happen in Evansville for a while, um, we don't know, but the County kingdom, went blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But the kingdom is solid. The invisible eternal kingdom, which is moving like yeast through the dough, is solid reality. It's the most solid reality we have. It's built on the promises of God. It's not going to fade. Um, that's what we're a part of. And that's our, we have to be a witness to that. So that's what's encouraging me as all this stuff happens. Amen. <laughs> Uh, just, just, just one real quick thought about all this deplatforming stuff about big tech wiping out Parler and Twitter getting rid of Donald Trump and them, them all getting rid of conservative voices in the name of safety and the name of preventing these these kind of incendiary rhetoric that leads to violence. I can speak anecdotally to this. Twitter has never been a place opposed to incendiary language and violent rhetoric. I've been on the receiving end of this. People saying, you know, I I don't want to exaggerate here. I don't think I got any serious death threats or something, but if people know my Star Wars story, early in Warhorn's run, we published an article about sex roles as seen through Star Wars. It was called An Open Letter to Ray. And people were saying things to the effect that the world would be a better place without me. 
um, and that violent things should happen to me, that I should be decapitated, that I should be beaten, the nasty things should happen to me. Jack Dorsey did not step in to protect my interests at that moment. Meanwhile, Kim Jong-un, Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, the Chinese embassy, the Chinese embassy has been on Twitter talking about uh, what they've done with the Uyghur people and... Uyghur, Uyghur. Uyghur, Uyghur people, sorry. Yeah, they don't care. No, no, no. it's always been, it's, 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 it's always been two things. It's always been either the Wild West or martial law. Anyone who tells you that they're doing any kind of successful experiment in regulated, well-ordered free speech is a liar because the internet has never been that. And we can talk and maybe we will in other episodes about what that might look like or what that should look like, but don't let these, I guess I'll just call them tech bros, tell you how they're protecting you. It is shamelessly Hmm. evil lies. Yeah. And, and there's so many examples of this. I mean, the hypocrisy, I don't even feel like it's worth pointing out. Like you consider the things like, let's just scroll through and look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's tweets and statements made over the summer or Nancy Pelosi's. Um, it's just, yeah, Bernie Sanders, Al Sharpton, all, these these people have said it. all kinds of incendiary things. And this one's just personal to me because people posted pictures of heads being cut off and said, this should happen to you. And wow. because I wrote a, an article with some Christian theology in it. Yep. You, um, you, you know, like Twitter did not have my back. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just, I just want to say like anecdotally from a very personal place, like, Sheriff Dorsey was not there to clean up my Wild West, nor did I really need him to be or want him to be in that particular case. And we can talk some other time about whether he should have. But the point is, he didn't and he wouldn't and he doesn't care. And let's let's also have some cultural, historical perspective on the free speech of it all. Okay, Twitter at this point, there's a strong case to be made that Twitter and social media are, are public utilities mm-hmm. saying build your own platform is like when Vectron cuts off your power, build your own power station. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not the same, same thing, mm-hmm. but f- five. Oh yeah. Well, let's get some candles and, you know, a little bicycle and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? it doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. But five, 10, years ago i think i got on twitter in 2010 or 2009 mm-hmm. and it was it was like nothing back then so we're talking like 10 years ago years ago we we're still in the world of uh the the blog was a thing mm-hmm. that was revolutionizing the way that we mm-hmm. uh did media and we were developing these communities called comment sections on blogs and if you think about our childhood like who could get on? How did you make it big in the world? You had to go through really tightly regulated channels of social media or not social media of, of legacy media mm-hmm. to get there. And so there's still a whole lot of opportunity and a whole lot of freedom 
and a whole lot of possibility moving forward. And you don't know what things are coming next. Mm. Um, and I know people are like, well, Gab and Parler and, you know, Telegram and whatever else, but it's not what I'm talking about. It's just, you just don't know right. what's coming next. Um, yep. Yep. The progress God, of the gospel is impossible. And then suddenly the printing press. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so God is not mocked and God knows how these things work. And you may be thrown off by the turn things have taken, but he's not. Yeah. Well, also you have to put some of this in perspective. I mean, the internet is a wonderful tool, but let's say that they take us off of it. Oh no, I'm going back to the horrible life that I lived in 1990. You know <laughs> Exactly. Which is better than anybody else in the world here to four. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I have to. <laughs> I have to walk down the. Sh- I, I can't have an Apple device anymore because I'm totally. I have to walk down the street and knock on my neighbor's door for a cup of sugar instead of text them. Or yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thankful for the way that these platforms enable us to be talking to you right now. I intend to mm-hmm. continue using them that way and finding other ways to break through legacy media with the stuff that we do you know mm-hmm. um but if they reduce me to having to like have a town hall meeting in my local town and pass out leaflets or something then i don't know it worked for george bailey it worked for people for hundreds of years like i still have a platform you know yeah. i mean we just take for granted that we should all have a national platform and it's like mm-hmm. I don't like that they're deplatforming us, but let's let's have some perspective on this, guys. Yeah. I'm sure we'll do other episodes with more considered takes on all of these things. But um, these are just hot takes from our bedrooms. The hot takes from our um, my library, quote unquote, looks like Ben's library yep. in, in the office. Ben's office in the library, office. whatever it is. Yep, and the study, the study. Jake's got two mysterious doors behind him. One of them has like a black cloak thrown over it. I'm, sound, I'm making it sound like My Sith uh, tavern or something. It's a medieval. I, I turned to face the window so I'd have more light. And you see the bathroom door and the door to the outside. The kids have been knocking on and talking outside of it. And now I think your wife and mom just showed up. So, oh, weird. Yeah. I, that's. I was expecting that they would be showing up where I am, but I guess they are where you are, which is like 90 minutes away. Well, definitely Meredith is here. I can hear that. You can tell, huh? Weird. She's usually so quiet. Quiet. I know. I know. I suspect that your mom is with her too, but that's much more challenging. Well, my mom is a loud mouth. If you heard, if my mom was there, you'd be able to. I would know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kidding folks. I love my mother. (laughs) Um, I've never called her my mother, though, because I'm not a Victorian child. I'm a human being. Um, Okay, folks, we'll be back with more considered takes on many of these things. And we'll be back with other fun things this year. We're going to have the Chip and Lance show this year. We're going to have some episodes of The Ville for you very soon, Lord willing. Exciting times for Sound of Sanity, whatever else is going on in the world. Yep. But... uh, yeah, and we're going to be in the same town, which is going to make all of that easier and make the audio quality not be like this. 
all that good stuff. So pray for us, pray for Church of the King and uh, Sound of Sanity yeah. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, pray. And if you've got musical talents, move. Now's a great time to uh, relocate to a nice, strong niche community where you can be a part of a strong, growing, thriving church. And we have need of people with musical talent. So that's mm-hmm. exactly right. Uh, there's nothing ironic or exaggerated or in any other way untrue about what Jake just said. Like, seriously, move. You won't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. This show was produced, executive produced, many things. Though you might not know it to listen to it. <sighs> Until next time. Stay sane.